Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we have a great show lined up for you today as we go back over yesterday's dramatic All-Ireland final. I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Verney of the Irish Independent and Waterford legend John Milan. Michael, Limerick are All-Ireland champions for the first time in 45 years. A dramatic one-point win over Galway. And it was an unusual game. Like Limerick were actually quite dominant for pretty much the whole thing. They had an eight-point lead going into injury time, but... We were treated to another outrageous finish and they ended up clinging on for just a one-point win. But as you described it in today's paper, it was it was kind of a one-point hammering in a way. Ash, it was a, it was a mad kind of game. I, I didn't expect Limerick to be able to play the game on their own terms, which they did. They, they completely bossed affairs. Um, I kind of analysed the, the Limerick puck out before the match and how they were creating space down the two flanks. And I just I didn't expect Galway to allow that to happen. I thought they'd try and hold firm with their two wing backs, but it did happen and everyone kind of congregated in the middle of the field and Galway were taking uh, taking ball into the tackle there in the middle third and there was three or four lads Limerick guys swallowing them up and it just hit them with big shoulders oh, as well big big hits yeah it was a, an absolute war zone in there but all the big hits were coming on the Limerick side everything they played the game exactly as they wanted to play it and I, I didn't really I didn't really foresee that happening to be honest with you and then obviously down the stretch when Limerick got the, the second goal to go nine up you're thinking okay this is over then Joe pops a few points to get back to six and you're thinking ah oh, yeah this, never know I might sneak a goal or something like that and then Downing gets the last goal and you're thinking well this is definitely over now mm. and then in fairness to, to Canning who had had a, a tough a tough probably 50 minutes on Declan Hannon like when when they needed someone yet again he stood up again and it was just the last three was probably a bridge too far it was 45 yards out but at the angle as well seriously seriously hard free had the probably accuracy but just didn't have the legs but like Limerick must have been just thinking they must have just been so kind of fearful and even chatting some of the lads out with City West this morning they were just like Kyle Hayes said he was just running in front of Canning praying that he'd miss <laughs> it's funny Shane Dowling mentioned uh, on Morning Ireland this morning that even though like half the team wasn't even alive in 94 like he was asking a few players and he asked John Kiley and Paul Knurk and they all said yeah it was in my mind towards the end they were very good like in the build up and it's kind of the funny thing about psychology you know we're creating our own history none of that bothers us but like <laughs> when you get to that situation of course it does of course it kind of seems 
seeps in and it's only na- it's only natural because they would have watched the last five minutes of 94 final like growing up all those, all those lads would have and it's such a, a big kind of part of history and I turned around I was at the very back of the press box and I turned around about the 74 minute and there was a, a Limerick man just like bawling crying not not out of joy he was just <laughs> fear he was just so afraid and there was a young lad beside him about four or five years old just bawling crying as well because he could just sense it happening and he could just sense it coming and the kind of the ball was rolling and but thankfully thankfully they held on it would have been so interesting um like Caroline Curd is getting a lot of kudos and it's her fourth All-Ireland winning team to be involved with as a sports psychologist. She would have had some job in her hands if that went to a replay. <laughs> like how how do you go about trying to build them back up and I don't think Galway could have been as bad the second day as well. But just uh, in fairness, probably for 55 minutes it was probably, no, it was a kind of a, maybe a disappointing game based on what we've seen before but the last 15 or 20 minutes was just so, so dramatic. Yeah, we're delighted to be joined on the line by John Milan as well. John, and I know you described the, the kind of the finale as uh, I was like 94 all over again, but to be fair to Limerick, they did steady themselves, get that Graham Mulcahy point, so they made sure that history wouldn't repeat itself. Yeah, well, look, they've been responding all year to um, to a setback. Uh, you know, you go back to when, when there was a setback down in Cork, Kalam was sent off, uh, they showed the battling qualities, and, and then they got a draw. When Richie Hogan came up with the goal in the quarter final, they went back up and they, they, they got they closed out the game with the next couple of scores. And I I, I have to be honest, I, I was I was up in the, the, the press box myself on, on radio duties and I was actually saying to myself, This is Johnny Dooley all over again when, when Joe Cannon um, hit the back of the net. And I was just I was just actually praying for him to, to get over the line because it would have been a total, total injustice uh, if 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 the game would have went to it would have went to a replay um or if or if Gawley would have gotten anything out, out of uh, out of that game. But you know, I think uh, Michael said one thing. The game was played on their terms from the minute the ball was thrown in, uh, up until the last ten minutes. Uh, they outfought, they outthought uh, Gawley yesterday and I couldn't get over um, they went toe to toe with Galway physically, and at times they were actually bullying Galway and saying, saying to them, "Well, look, is that all you've got?" Like you know, and and no more so than the ninth minute when, when Seamus Flanagan put that big hit in on Garrod McInerney and and landed Garrod McInerney um, on, on on his backside. And I think from then on, uh, I kind of that kind of opened it up from from, from there on, where they said to themselves, "Look." We're not going to be bossed around here today, uh, and today is going to be our day. And to a man, look, Mike Casey. I suppose Saturday we were saying about the key battle with with Johnny Glynn, what he was going to have to do to stop Johnny Glynn. And I think once Johnny, once Mike Casey got on top of of Johnny Glynn, I think it just uh, it just went through the whole team from Sean Finn to Rich English, uh, right through their, their half back line. And look. But just before, from going in half time, um, from eight to fifteen, uh, from eight to fifteen, seven of those lads were after being on the scoreboard, which which made a hell which made a hell of a difference for for him going in at half time because you know an awful lot of them after being on the ball early, settling into the game, and there's there's no better way to settle into a game in an all Ireland final than, than getting a, than register, registering a score on the board. And, I think you know. In contrast to that, uh, going in at half time, the Galway defence were at sixes and sevens, with the exception of Parik Mannion, who, you know, he was the only one lad who who could 
probably hold his head up high. He was keeping it together there. The rest of them, they were getting pulled and dragged all over the place. The movement of the Limerick forward division was 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 incredible. And then I suppose it was only Joseph Cooney and, and, and David Buck were keeping the scoreboard ticking over. So what you had is you had Limerick players going into halftime, oozing in confidence, and you had Galway lads who were going in and they were asking themselves. Galway looked like a team who had the weight of the world on their shoulders and I suppose they were going into halftime asking all the questions. Um, and look, Limerick came out after halftime with all the answers. Michael, John referred to the Johnny Glynn versus uh, Casey battle that you know we all knew would probably be pretty crucial in the end. And we discussed it a bit off air. Like some of the ball that was played into Johnny Glynn didn't really give him much of a chance. Like what I just remember is him looking over his shoulder as the ball sailed over his head for the majority of times. And then they did they become maybe over reliant on, on trying to get him into the game. Then they didn't really work their other forwards in. And as we said, the inside forward line were held scoreless and play until Connor Whelan put a ball in the net in injury time. Yeah, I think Connor Whelan got the ball in his hand twice in the game. I counted anyway. Once was when he won a, a twenty-one yard free when he nearly got in and goal in the first half. And the second time was I think when he when he actually got the goal. The the ball into Johnny Glynn was 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 a strange one. Um, they were either dropping short they were in front or they were miles over his head and it just considering like at, at times earlier on the year like say against Kilkenny when they played in, in the replay there was, there was lovely ball going in he, he get, got, gave him a chance to get underneath the ball I suppose but to be fair to to be fair to Mike Casey and we were just chatting him out in City West there he said uh, he said himself and Richie McCarthy were practising it all week just kind of wrestling with each other almost and they had Giroud Hegarty gone in full forward a big man in there and just trying to you know get the ball to ground that was all they needed to do and that's like Johnny Glynn wouldn't be the knackiest with Say when it gets when it, the ball gets to ground and Limerick would be maybe a bit sharper and smaller I suppose but like for for um for Mike Casey Mike Casey's five foot ten like and he he dominated Johnny Glynn as B he probably nearly would have been man the match if he'd stayed on the field for the end but I was delighted as well for for Richie McCarthy who kind of has and he's like a, a cult hero almost in in Limerick and even for Tom Condon like a lot of the elder kind of statesmen were on the field and were were there were there when when everything was finished at the end and for the careers that they have had and what they've given it was kind of just desserts for them as well and, and John just one more thing on, on the Johnny Glynn I guess uh, uh, talking point you know when Galway won the All-Ireland last year playing really well he was kind of used off the bench I know he started the All-Ireland final but he didn't really play much before that and when he is in the team they, they do tend to play quite differently like they, they are much more direct you know are they better off perhaps going back to their other style of play when they don't really put in as much long ball yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. But at times yesterday, for the first 10, 15 minutes, uh, they were trying to play the, the, the ball through the channels. Um, you know, but they were going out to uh, Adrian Tui, and Adrian Tui was, was going to Park Manion. I think one one score was a, was, a, was a massive score for Limerick. I think Park Manion got the ball. He tried to give a 10-yard pass to Joe Canny. And I think it got intercepted by Declan Hannon and it was, Declan Hannon put the ball over the bar. And at times, uh, within those first 15, 20 minutes, you're actually saying to yourself, you know, hit Johnny Glynn, hit him with good ball. And Michael's 100% right. He probably didn't get hit with, with enough good ball yesterday uh, in regards, you know, what well, the tra- trajectory of, of the ball. Uh, but look, I suppose you're right with that. The least Connor Wheel and, and probably Connor Cooney um, the game probably suffers, and, and Carl Mannion to a certain extent. But what the Limerick, uh, the Limerick team, they didn't really leave uh, Galway um, settled into the game. I mean, they were hunting in packs, they were hunting in three and three and fours. I mean, we've seen in the Sunday game last night where 
there was one ball out on the sideline, I think, where they where they chased down Garrod McInerney and and I think four of them chased it down and and, and they got a got a got a board of the a free in the end. And look, they were doing that all game and um, in your face, brought a high work ethic, they was ramming us in their play and they were just a bundle of energy. And I think they were the mo- most energetic team there yesterday. And I think, you know, on the flip side of that, Galway were, were very flat, looked very laboured, lethargic. Uh, and you could see that they were, they were a team that, uh, you know, were after going through the, the, the toughest schedule of, of both teams. Yeah, Michael, do you think that did play an impact on the day, that Galway having played those two extra replays? I don't know. I think they've looked kind of leggy in the last couple of games anyway, to be fair. Maybe the, the two weeks probably wasn't a help. Maybe the, the extra week probably would have helped them a bit and maybe would have helped um, Giroud McInerney and maybe John Hanbury who were struggling as well. But yeah, they, they did look they did look a tired kind of a team, to be fair. They just didn't hit the ground running really at all, which was a surprise. And I kind of said it last week that if they didn't have that start and didn't have that cushion... They had to play the game. That was that game was played yesterday completely different than any other game they've played this year. They were the ones that were always chasing. And while they got close in the end, they were just never able to get that close. I just felt they probably were going to need a cushion because I felt if they're going to win, they were probably going to win hanging on. And... Um, just Limerick kind of just upset them straight away from the start. It was, but like I've never seen why Limerick put serious pressure on. Like the three goals were three mistakes. They were in possession. They were in control and they gave away possession basically. And the one thing, and I still cannot get my head around it because I've never seen it happen in a big match, was when Whelan got the ball. I think it was the 47 minute. He got it over the Cusick stand side. Played a lovely crossfield ball yeah. to Joe Cooney, and I, I've never seen it. Just he was looking at it, and then he just lost it went back to the left and back to the right with the ball just kind of trickle out over the sideline and it's just like it's like the harder they tried you know the worse it got things just weren't working for them yesterday but fair play to them like to be within one point at the end when things are going that bad is a, a miraculous achievement but it would have been it would have been daylight robbery realistically if they had gotten a result yeah John obviously yeah, Galway put in their worst performance of the year but you know they were 8 points down going into injury time but the character they showed to come back you know they were led mostly by Joe Canning during that period you know, he probably put himself back into the hurler of the year conversation after maybe a, a poor enough final. But what did you make of the, the, the resilience Galway showed to almost snatch a draw? Ah, well, look, I suppose it's it's the character and resilience that uh, a, a, tr- a true champion would, would you'd only expect from a true champion. And let's not forget uh, they've been exceptional in the last in the space the last two years. I think it's it's their first defeat in 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 fourteen games. The last time they were defeated was against Tipperary in, in August 2016. And albeit they gave a flat performance, but I mean, they were exceptional the last the, the last 10 minutes. And out of nowhere, they, they really dug in. And I thought Parik Mannion in, in the second half was, was was exceptional. You know, when he had others around him were, 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 were falling apart, Parik Mannion was, was really keeping it together in, in the back line. And then, as I said, look, we... we we can't talk anymore about um, Joe Cannon. I mean, look, what a career he's had. And, uh, you know, as you said, the battling qualities he showed um, to keep Galway in the game. But look, they needed a couple more other people around them to, to step up to the plate. And one thing I probably thought is they probably could have brought in Niall Burke and, and Jason Flynn and maybe Sean Loftus uh, a bit earlier because, you know, you, you, from where I was sitting, you could see after 20, 25 minutes, even... 40 minutes that you know they were very very leggy as 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 Michael alluded to the one thing that will really upset and 
upsetting Michal Donahoe today and looking back at the game, as Michael alluded to, it would be the three goals. The three goals most certainly could have been um, prevented on the day. Yeah, Michael, just John touched on earlier the, the movement of the Limerick forward line and how much trouble it caused the Galway defence. You know, as a former defender yourself, like how, how tough would it have been for them to deal with it? I think of like Seamus Flanagan was making these really clever runs, getting on a lot of ball and bringing his other teammates into play, you know, dragging defenders around with him. What kind of task would that have been like for the Galway team? I'll tell you, it wouldn't have been an envious task anyway. The, the clever thing that they did was with the half forwards and the full forwards both kind of congregate in the middle. And it leaves space in the channels unless the halfbacks are able to hold their ground, which they were kind of probably afraid to hold their ground because they would have left their men free. Flanagan was just kind of looping out into that space, and he was so effective. Like he, he was just like he was kind of like he, he was brilliant on the ball. But I thought he was nearly better without the ball yesterday. He was like a one-man wrecking ball going around the place. Like he left, he left Mannion on the floor for the goal to get to set up the pass to Kyle Hayes, who went to Mulcahy. The the hit on Gerard McInerney as well. Like he he was outstanding in fairness. And um, but the space. I didn't think Galway would allow that space to be inside in the, in the full back line like Galan even as early as the, f- the first minute I'd say had a ball in a good bit of space even though he mishit it and Gerard McInerney just wasn't able to sit back Kyle Hayes was doing far too much damage and was far too dangerous for him to be able to sit back and it was the first time probably the full back line hasn't had that kind of comfort blanket in front of them um, it's just it was mad I, 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 it was the big dream scenario for Limerick like first All-Ireland and they, they, everything went exactly as they would have planned probably game game plan wise and they, they hurled the game on their terms it was like John Hambury found a tough going there was a lot of space in front of him Adrian Tui thought done well enough and thought he worked it as well he never let his man go outside but there was so much space inside there it was uh yeah, it was a, a, a t- would have been a tough day at the office for that defence. And you look down the other end, it was a lot more packed down the other end. The uh, Hannon, Hannon Burns and Morrissey invariably held their ground a lot. And the kind of threat that we thought would be, you know, Joseph Cooney hit three points in fairness, but we thought Cottle Mannion would hurt them from out the field and cause them to pull out. But he didn't, I don't think he had a shot and goal. He might have had one shot and goal yesterday. You know, so they were afforded the space to sit back. And in fairness to Hannon as well, the, the point he talked about on Canada, that John talked about there where he stepped in front of Canning it just kind of Joe was waiting for it to come to his hand and put it over the bar Hannon there was no waiting around with Limerick boys and he just stepped in front to put it over and then put over another point five minutes later and he put Joe on the back foot which was a big thing as well and just when you're talking with the backs as well there's very little you can do when the ball when the ball going in is of such quality and it was quite good quality you now yesterday it's interesting, John, as Michael alludes to there, like Carl Mannion, big player, maybe maybe had one shot on goal. Connor Whelan, Michael says, two touches in the whole game. Like these are two of your most devastating inside forwards. It's just a bit head scratching that they they both they, they didn't even really try. I thought to get them into the game that much. Ah, look, all Ireland finally can can you know that can that can happen. Like you know, I mean, the best of players can 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 have an off day. We look at last year, Austin Gleeson probably. A genius of a player, and it just it just didn't work out for him. And look, I've been there myself; it didn't work out for us in two thousand eight. These things happen. And look, Conor Whelan, look, Sean Finn, probably one of the best cornerbacks in the country this year. He's, I mean, he's gone and man, man marked the best of lads this year, and, and has nullified his place. And likewise with with Carl Mannion. I mean, look at Burns and 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 Dan Morrissey. Any time he was on the team with him, I mean, they've been they they've been excellent this year. But going back to uh, going back to the, to the Limerick forward, their movement yesterday was incredible, and I really uh, my eyes were transfixed on on their movement. Not not for one minute or did uh, not for five, five minutes at the most 
they settle in 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 any given position uh, in the full four. They didn't settle for five minutes any more than any 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 more than five minutes. They were gone. Galan, uh, Mulcahy, Seamus Flanagan, they just pulled and dragged that goalie uh, full back and all over the place. And likewise, their half four line, Hegarty, Morrissey, Kyle Hayes, they were interchanging the whole time. And, you know, it's, it's I, I'm a bit like Mike, but I would have said, you know, I, I can't get over um, how, how Galway afforded him the space because I, I would have said Galway, of all the teams, wouldn't afford uh, Limerick uh, the, the space or the amount of green grass um, that they were able to manoeuvre for themselves yesterday. But I, I put that down to the Limerick um, the Limerick movement and, and whatever Canork is doing with them is, is, is just incredible. And look, it's... You've got to give it up to Canork. I mean, he he done it in 2013 with Clare. And look, he probably had to strip this team. He probably had to strip this team from head to toe uh, from when from when he came back in last year. But by God, I mean, the, the, the style of Hurland are playing at the moment. Uh, it's uh, it's just a joy to watch. And look, it's... I mean, it's it's got the, the whole country have, 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 have fallen in love with this uh, Limerick team. Just on Paul Canark, it's phenomenal. Like Paul Canark's thirty-three years old, he's coached two different counties to win all Ireland in the last five or six years. Like it's, I, I don't know if there's many lads out there that have coached two different teams to win all Ireland to come back to his own county. And obviously, Joe Connor, Joe Connor was with Clare in two thousand thirteen as well. And now he's been a strength and conditioning coach with two all Ireland winning teams as well. It's it's phenomenal. And Canark is kind of all about the. The kind of game-based approach to train and everything is in a game. Everything is a game situation. Even their warm-up yesterday was like a small-sided game. It was probably in stark contrast to what Galway were doing down the far end. And um, they just look so well drilled. And in fairness, John Kiley was saying at the press night. He said 2017 was all about learning for everybody involved. It was the first year involved. A lot of lads had the first year senior. Um, I think. Over the winter, he would have realised that he needs to he needed to change his approach. He got a lot of big, physical, um, mobile players in his forward line, and they just yeah had it down to a T yesterday. And as well, like there were so many good players on the bench as well that they didn't even use. The Galway would have loved loved to have you know Kevin Downs and a few more on the bench because they would have definitely sprung them. But Limerick have created have created a serious squad and there's a serious kind of mentality there now, and just even. Like uh, obviously we would have said the same about Clare five years ago, but like there's there's definitely no reason why they shouldn't be why they shouldn't be competing at the top table for a long long time. Well, just to go back to Paul Canuck for a second, Michael, it's funny you, you know he's obviously such a good coach being involved with these two teams, but I feel like maybe people don't know him that well. You know, if you type him into Sportsfall, for instance, there's only been one photo of him taken at a match this year. He's one of their key men, and you know so much success he's had. Like I don't know what can you tell us about him for people who might be too familiar with him and what what he really what, what he's good at. I think that's the way he likes it now to be honest with you um, I was at the coaching conference J coaching conference two years ago just where he spoke at it and it's just one of these guys like if you're a hurling kind of a nerd you just you just you'd hang off every word he says a lot of it is to do with the, the game based situations it's not it, there's no drills in inverted commas anymore everything is a game everything is a situation that you're going to be in in a match it's not, it's not like at no stage in a match do would say I know it's, there is relevance to it but at no stage do me and you puck balls you know, 20 yards apart in straight lines, really, in a match. Everything is, you know, angles 
fans, runners, um, what are you going to do? It's decision making basically as well, and what are you going to do in this situation? That's basically why he's kind of. That's kind of why his mantra is, and everything is in a game because he would feel that that's the only way you'll develop a player to make key decisions, uh, key times in games is to try and put that pressure on them in training. But uh, it's phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. I know, like his career was kind of cut short. He would have been a, a very good footballer. He's from Monaline Limerick. I think he had a shoulder injury. Kind of fast forwarded his progress into coaching. Of course, he was involved with the three Clare under twenty one teams as well. Like he's for a thirty three year old. I I do wonder. I'm only thirty one, but you kind of think, Jesus, what what are you doing with your life? <laughs> this guy is doing this at thirty three. Like you know. I, I just as I guess the Olympic performance as a whole, like you know, we've kind of talked about how the game plan was really well put together, how like their forward line moved so well, but they still hit twenty wides. It's it's kind of crazy to think that if they maybe had put it together the complete performance, you know, in terms of the shooting element of it, it could, they could have won so much more comfortably and wouldn't have been hanging on for dear life in the final moments. Yeah, well, look, <clears throat> I suppose after six, seven minutes, I think they had all of nearly five, six points on, on the board. And, and after 20, after 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, I think they, they, they found themselves a point down uh, after totally, after totally being dominant in the game. How, how they found themselves a point down, I don't know. Uh, but look, they've been doing that all year. They've been registering um, massive scores all, all year. They've been presenting themselves with massive uh, scoring opportunities. And as you said, uh, you know, if, if if those whites would have went over, God knows what the scoreline would have been and we wouldn't have probably had the, the tension or, or the drama near the end. But, I mean, you're looking at the age profile of this team uh, outside of Greenwell, Catty, and I think Nicky Quaid, who will look like he's a goalkeeper, he'll, he'll still be there. Declan Hannah is only 25. I think Michael's 100% right, I think. This could be the start of, of something great for, for Limerick. And I think for a lot of these Limerick players now, they, they'll be probably looking at um, trying to emulate the, 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 the teams of of, of, Mac, of of the Mackey era and, and maybe probably trying to push on and, and win more All-Irelands and not just settle for the bone. Yeah, Michael, it's funny. Like People would have said probably the exact same sentence after Clare won in 2013. The age profile was the same. The underage success was the same. You know, from what we know now, what kind of would you, would you say that this Limerick team have to do to maybe ward off what happened with Clare, like waiting five years to even get back to Croke Park? It's so difficult. Uh, Brendan Cummins has often said, and he's written in his column, kind of, there are things that and responsibilities and things that you have to do as an All Ireland winner that you just cannot appreciate um, until you are one, basically. And there, there's going to be so much more. Not, baggage but so much more kind of responsibilities and duties for them to carry out over the next four or five months and I suppose it's a lot to it's a lot about how you deal with that um, they all look like uh, just from chatting any Limerick players and Paul Brown was up and he's just saying like these lads are just they have a different mentality than any team that he'd been playing played on before he just said they're born winners um they just have. They're just kind of driven and from what I can gather just from even chatting them a few, a few of them this morning like one is great, like, but I think, I think they'd be they'd be so focused on trying to to get back and like, they have they have a brilliant squad. They have a brilliant management team. I, I don't see any of that management team breaking up or anything like that for a while. Like so, um, there's there's definitely no reason why they couldn't do any do another couple of All Irelands. It's been kind of been probably well signposted the last couple of years. I don't think anybody thought it would be as accelerated as this. It's very similar to Clare. And it, as if it probably happened in Clare sooner than anybody thought. And we kind of suppose to see how, how things have got there. This was the first time they got back to Crow Park since. So it'll be interesting to see how it's managed. But um, 
yeah, as I said, just kind of just things are going to happen over the next four or five months. That I, I'd imagine there will be Bresford because they just seem like that sort of a group. And Kyrie seems like a really, a really good leader. Seems to have them in, in in a really good place. He had them he had them in a really good space, particularly between the semi final and final, and um, just kind of sheltered them very well from from everything. And John, in your column today, you touched on you guess your emotions the final whistle. And while you were delighted for Limerick, you said there was a bit of, a touch of envy as well because Waterford, I guess, now the Limerick have won the county that have been waiting the longest for that All-Ireland success yeah 100% uh, I mean when the final whistle went to see the emotion um, on, 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 on the Limerick supporters what it meant to him I mean I nearly shed a tear I was nearly close to tears myself uh, I was delighted they won it and looked to, to see the scenes after Cram- Cranberries coming on uh, you know dreams Linger, uh, and you know, I was nearly, I was nearly close to shedding it here. And you know, to see the amount of uh, Limerick supporters around the stadium when the stadium em- emptied, I think it, you know, all of nearly three quarters of the stadium. But you do, you know, the, the, the thoughts do um, relate back to Waterford. And they're saying, you know, we were here last year, and you know, what could have been if if, if we met this Galway team this year, we we probably would have would have would have beaten them. Um, but you know, you know, you would be there would be a touch of of well, you would be most certainly delighted for for Limerick, and it's it's fantastic for for Harlan and and delighted for the Limerick supporters. There will be a touch of envy towards toward, towards it as well. Thinking that wouldn't you love your own county to just um, go through those 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 moments and those feelings that uh, the Limerick supporters and and the players and management were going through uh, yesterday, and just to come out of Crow Park. Um, on just one occasion would 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 deal me, uh, and uh, you know even to see the likes of JP McMahon has seen the pictures in the, in the paper today. What that man has has done for for Limerick Harlan down through the years, uh, and you know I think it was it was fitting that you know he he was brought into the into the dressing room yesterday, and because there's there's no one would have been more prouder. Uh, prouder man in, in, in the whole of Limerick than, than JP McMahon uh, yesterday for, for what he's done for Limerick Carlin over the years just think what John said there is, is I think a lot of counties will see this as an opportunity kind of knocking it's going to be like I know it's it's um it's eight months away but like next year's Munster Championship in particular the Championship itself is going to be very interesting but you have like Who's going to finish bottom two in Munster next year? Like Tipperary get their house in order um, with a, with a new manager, they're going to be seriously driven. Same same for Waterford. Like it's going to be it's going to be so interesting. Like and a lot of teams will will see what how quickly Limerick did that and how quickly things came together and will think like there's no reason why we can't kind of be in that situation. And I have that bet, of course, with Martin Brettany. I think they, well, I have three years left for Waterford to win the All Ireland, <laughs> but um, I just still think they're in a they're in a great chance. They're in a great show. It's kind of this is like the last four All Irelands have gone to four different counties as well. Like we're kind of, it could be, it could be a goal and it could be a golden era where you know maybe everybody, everybody gets a, a good shot. At and there's no reason why the likes of Waterford and Dublin, who were probably the most unlucky team, the unluckiest team in the championship this year, there's no reason why they can't you know step up another level and be in the mix as well. Like nobody, I think everybody would have been so envious looking on at that gesture and thinking, Jesus, like we're not, uh, we're not too far away. John, just before we, I guess, get to the end, I was wondering, who, who would you have as the hurler of the year now? I don't think there's maybe one kind of standout candidate that everyone's tipping. A, a few people seem to be a bit torn on it. 
Um, for me, I think it'll come down to uh, three. I'd go Auric Mannion, uh, Joe Cannon, and I would probably I'd say it'll come down to Declan Hannon. But for me, Auric uh, Mannion. I think he's been Galway's most consistent player all year. Uh, just goes about his business in a, in a, in a very quite way. Uh, although Joe probably had his, his best year, probably he was better than he was last year. But for me, I thought over the whole season, um, the whole campaign in the summer where they played the nine games, he didn't play one bad game. He was ultra consistent for Galway. And look, yesterday, uh, Joe came Joe came with a, with a powerful performance in the last 10-15 minutes. But I thought when... Uh, you know, as I stated earlier on, when, when everything was falling down around him, uh, in defence yesterday, Parik Mannion um, kept kept fighting away. Uh, and for me, I think, you know, going off, off the, the back of the games that he, he played this year, on top of yesterday's performance, he will be he will be my hurler of the year. Michael? Um, yeah, I think when you look at the hurler of the year kind of question, it kind of just shows you just how... I suppose even Limerick are. I don't think Limerick have an outstanding candidate for the year, and I'd be surprised if the hurler of the year is from Limerick. And that just that just shows like it just they've just such a balanced team. Probably no superstars, but I don't know what's just below or in between between a star and a superstar because they've got seems to me like fifteen guys that are in that kind of category. Uh, for me. For me, uh, I I, t- I think as John said there, I think Joe Canning had a better year than he had last year. Um, and I think there's times there where he just kind of dragged them. He dragged them to the line and over the line in some cases. Um, but I, I think I would give it to Joe Cannon, but I think Park Mannion probably will win it. I'd say. And then just before we, I let you both go. We just you kind of touch on it there. Like it's, it's things are really set up nicely for 2019. Like the Munster Championship is intrigued. The Leinster Championship is intrigued. But maybe if Dublin can push on. Like if you look across the landscape, what team, if you had to pick one, could possibly do what Limerick did this year and pr- the way they progressed from 2017 to 2018, a relatively disappointing championship to the winners? What team do you think maybe a bit further down the pack could be poised for a big breakout next year? I think uh, I think Dublin are Dublin are close enough. By all accounts, the vibes, any any conversations I've had with anyone that's involved or close to it, like is absolutely are absolutely raving about the setup. Um, I was kind of maybe a bit surprised. I I didn't think it would, you know, I didn't think it like Gilroy's kind of transition has been kind of seamless enough as well. And everyone seems to be raving about the setup. Obviously, they've had good underage success coming through. Good few Leinster minors, um, under twenty ones as well. So. They weren't too far off this year. They probably should have should have beaten definitely should have beaten Kilkenny. Um or thereabouts against Wexford as well. So there that's somebody that's somebody that's probably gonna come out of the pack. And in, in that if if they do come out of the pack, then it's 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 one of Wexford, Galway and Kilkenny that aren't gonna get out of Leinster. So that's gonna make it even more intriguing again. And John, yeah, is there any team that you look at that maybe didn't perform as well as they wanted to this year, but next year you think could be poised for a good season? Yeah, but look, my own county, and I'm not billing billing them up, but I mean, they have to be looking at that yesterday and saying, right, we've gone toe to toe with Limerick uh, at minor level, at under twenty one level. We went toe to toe last year uh, with Galway, and probably came up against a, a better equipped Galway team last year than than Galway were in the final yesterday. And they have to be saying to themselves, you know, lads. Uh, why, why, why can't it be us? And I, but I disagree with Michael. I think the window is closing. I would say they've 
a two-year window of opportunity left. I think they have this. This team have had a. I always say to you, a five-year window of a four, five-year window of opportunity, and I think this current Walver team definitely next year, maybe twenty twenty at a stretch. But I, I think uh, if it goes beyond that, I think um, Michael Verney will be will be, be given um, Marin hey. Brenny a, a few pounds. Yeah, there's a nice few um, shekels too. <laughs> but, uh, the most the most most difficult thing for Waterford next year is they're going to have they're not going to have any home games again. And you talk about the Munster Championship. I mean, come on, lads, you're talking Limerick. You're looking at Cork. I mean, out of all the teams. They must be kicking themselves. I mean, Seamus Harnady, they were six points up against Limerick, were really, really looked, looked home home and hosed in that game. I mean, they have to be looking on and saying, we're not too far away. They're in the under-21 final next 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 week. You'll have added Cad- Cadigan back, Stephen McDonald, um, this Turnbull will be back. They have a couple of good young lads coming. And uh, Cork will be saying, look, lads, we're not too far away. You'll have Clare then next year. They'll be saying, the width of the post, um, kept us out of an All-Ireland final you'll have Waterford back in there then you have Limerick the current All-Ireland champions and then you have Tipperary look tip or tip I think there's going to be there could be a last hurrah and tip within the next year or two and then you have the flip side of that then you have the Lincoln Championship bit of Galway Kilkenny Wexford and, and, and the Dublin team who are coming under Pat Gilroy so oh lads look you, you, you can't come around quick enough well, you know Horan is in a fantastic place I mean you've look, I'm after naming off seven or eight teams eight or nine teams there out of the nine teams, probably six or seven of the teams can can win the All Ireland. So roll on twenty nineteen. What a marvelous summer of hurling we've had. And um, for me, it's probably been the best championship ever. And I think uh, credit to GA. I was questioning at the start about this round robin system, but I think uh, this round robin system is here to stay with it, with a couple of tweaks along the way. But um, uh, I, I most certainly enjoyed it, and I can't wait for twenty nineteen. John Michael, thanks so much for joining me today and throughout the season. Cheers, mate. That's all we have time for on the throw-in this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you could subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye.